Morning, and welcome to our Rearrange series. Now, I'm recording this on Wednesday, and there's a lot going on in the Capitol right now on Wednesday, but on Saturday, I don't know what's happening. So as we watch this, um, there may be a lot happening in the world, and there may not be that much. Pray for that. But I know that there's threats of violence across the United States, and regardless of what today is holding and unfolding, I thought I'd spend a second talking to our kids, our crosswalk kids. So here's a message for you. And the reason why I want to talk to our kids today, and if you, if you need to grab them, you know, call them in, pause this if you need to, bring them in, because I really want to speak to them. Because they are watching how we respond to all of this. They are wondering about our hearts. They're wondering about our opinions. And they're soaking it all in. So if your kids are here and you guys, you crosswalk kids, and I know there's hundreds of you out there because we send out hundreds of boxes every single week um, or every single month at least when the series happens, which is really incredible. But I want you guys to know something. Sometimes things get scary. They do. In fact, when I was growing up, I used to have nightmares all the time. Seriously, like I was so afraid of falling to sleep. What I would do, what I would do is I would actually pray this prayer over and over again. I would pray, dear Jesus, please help me not to have any nightmares, amen. Dear Jesus, please help me not to have any nightmares, amen. Dear Jesus, please help me not to have any nightmares, amen. And I would say it over and over and over and over again because I was worried about what would pop up in my dreams. Well, after a while, you know, maybe I, I guess I stopped having nightmares and I stopped praying that prayer incessantly. But as I got older, some of the scary stuff didn't necessarily go away. You know, other things are scary too. But the more I realized that the dreams couldn't hurt me, I realized that it was the things that were really scary in my life that caused me anxiety, if you will. Yelling, anger, fear. Those things are scary. Anger's scary, right? When our teachers get angry, when our parents get angry at us, and I'm sure that never happens to you, but you know, when our parents get angry at us, when our siblings get angry at us. But you know what's the scariest thing about anger is when we get angry. That's even scarier. Because sometimes it feels like we, we lose our ability to think and we lose our ability to care and we just see red and see rage and that's no way to live. The truth is we're living in a little bit of an angry time and I'm sorry that you're having to deal with that. From all the stuff that's going on in the world today that you see on television to even the way you're going to school, like I get it. Man, it's tough and I'm really sorry that you're having to deal with that. But... The good news is this, you're not alone. You're not alone in the midst of any of this. Not only are your parents there, not only are your friends there, even though you can't see them all the time, not only is your church there and your pastors, Pastor Karen and Pastor Mike and Pastor Isai and Pastor Andy and myself, all of us, we're all here for you. But even beyond that, we've got a God who's with us. So what should we do when we are scared? Now, here's the thing. We're studying Exodus 2, which is the story of Moses, which I'm sure is a story that you've all heard before. And for the adults in the room, I'm hoping that you've heard it too, even though it's probably been a little while. 
So we'll start in Exodus 1, verse 22, which is the last verse in chapter 1. It says this, Then Pharaoh gave his order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Now, this is terrible, even though he's letting the girls live. It's still a horrible thing, right? A lot of fear was going on in the Hebrew society at the time, in the Israelites at the time. But what's crazy is that there was a lot of fear going on in the Egyptian community at the time too. That's why they were doing these things. The Pharaoh was deeply afraid. He was so afraid of the Hebrews or the Israelites, so afraid of what he would lose because of them that he wanted to stop them from growing and he was willing to hurt other people. See, here's the thing. Anger often comes from fear and fear makes us do things we wouldn't normally do. My bet is when you're angry, you lash out in ways that you don't normally do and you feel bad about afterwards. One time I got so angry at my sister, and I won't tell you the whole story, but one time I got so angry at my sister that I bit her. I bit her on the shoulder and I bit her hard and I drew blood. I was so angry. And you know what I told myself for a long time? I told myself, well, I didn't start it. I didn't start it. And as long as I didn't start it, because she had pushed my head against a window and I banged into the glass in the car. As long as I didn't start it, it was okay what I did. It wasn't. I was acting out of fear and my anger got the best of me and that's not the way we're supposed to live. Pharaoh in this story was acting out of fear. He was reacting to his fear. What should we do when we're afraid? Let's ask that question really quickly. And guys, this is pretty simple stuff, but I want you to really think about it because it's important. The first thing we got to do is pray. This is first and foremost. And let me tell you why we pray for two reasons. Number one, it's so that we can connect with God, who is the one that calms our fears and our anxiety and our anger. But number two, it also gives us a moment. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, I want you to count to 10 when you get really angry? Prayer is kind of that counting to 10 too, which is kind of cool. And if you don't know what to ask God for, it's simple. Ask God for some courage and for some strength. And if you need to, for some calm. The second thing you got to do when you get angry is find a friend. And listen, your parents can be your friends. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but your parents really can be your friends. Somebody who knows what you're going through. Somebody who can help you understand what you're feeling and somebody who can comfort you. And the third thing we have to do when we're angry or when we're afraid is we've got to look for the light. In the midst of every bad situation, there is some light, even when it's hard to see. Mr. Rogers used to say it this way, look for the helpers. And man, that's a great advice. Sometimes, like in the story of Moses, help comes from the most unexpected places. Now, this is going to, I'm going to kind of stop talking just directly to the kids. I'm going to talk to everybody, but I want you guys to stay around too, if you can, unless you're going to Sabbath school with Karen. If you're doing that, have a great time and maybe you'll have watched this later. I hope it was wonderful. But in this story, coming back to us adults, if you will, in this story, the light comes from an unexpected place. So we're going to look at Exodus 2 right now. It said this, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi, Levi got married. That's always nice. The woman became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special kid. 
and kept him hidden for three months. Now, this must have been traumatic because I don't know about you, but if you've had a kid and you have a loud kid, some kids are super quiet, but if you've had a loud kid, it's not easy to keep them hidden for three months. But I love the first part of it. It says, she saw that he was a special baby. What parent doesn't think their child is special? We all do. That's one of the reasons why we love them. Even the weird looking ones, and there are weird looking babies every once in a while, but it's certainly not your baby and it certainly wasn't my baby. The truth is we love our kids and we care for them deeply. And so she had to do something because she knew that this boy would be killed by the Egyptians. So when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket, laid it among the reeds along the banks of the river. Now, I'm not sure what plan she had. I don't really know that, but I do know this. I know this, that there was an incredible act of faith. To allow God to be in control is an act of faith that we rarely enact. We rarely give ourselves over to God so that he will take control of the situation. He will take control of our heart. He will take control of our minds. We rarely do that. I remember in one of the first churches I was working in, we had a girl who ran away. And I remember going to, going to the parents with one of the other pastors and the other pastor said something that I couldn't believe. And I, I, I to this day, it resonated so much with me. He got to them and he said, listen, this is not your kid. It's not your responsibility. This is not your kid. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, man, this is their kid. She ran away. Like what? And he said, no, this is not your kid. This is God's child. You think God cares about your kid less than you do? He cares about your child more than you do. Because that's the truth, you need to have faith. You need to lean into an act of faith that this child will come home. I'm happy to say, and by the way, this was many, many years ago, child came back living a great life. Are you ready for an incredible act of faith? Are you ready to step into an incredible act of faith? Because if you are, that means that you've got to live a little bit differently. Do you believe that God has things in hand? Do you think that God is still faithful in all things? I mean, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, then we have to be ready to let God be God and have faith in that sometimes. Exodus 2, 5, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. You know, God was preparing the way for the salvation of Israel long before anybody prayed for it. Because that's what God does. God pre-prepares the way for us. But here's what's fascinating. Sometimes the help we need doesn't come from the places that we expect. Sometimes the help we need comes from places that we do not expect it to come from. And I want to reiterate this point because in a country so divided, in a world that is so broken, might our help come from places we least expect it? Do you believe that God can work through any avenue? This is tough. And maybe this is a tough word, especially for today. Again, it's Wednesday. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been helped by someone who you thought was an enemy? You know what this reminds me of? And I have Pastor Josh, our Foothills pastor, to thank for this. It reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan. He reminded me of that this week. 
You see, we have become so convinced that the other side, those who don't agree with us, those who are different than us, are simply the enemy and we've lost our ability to see them as fellow human beings. By the way, followers of Christ can't do this. We simply cannot. We are not allowed because Christ always showed us a third way. Man, I think of all the ways that people tried to trap Jesus, to get him stuck in a corner, in ways to convict him so that, you know, he's, there's no way out and the only way out is the way that they had planned. But he was always able to step away from the binary of us versus them and found ways to deal with things differently to move things to a higher level, to elevate the conversation, to elevate the actions, to change the way that we think. Moses, his parents, well, they faced the same issue, right? They had to find a third way. And that third way for them was trusting in God, putting a basket into a river and sending it out. Jesus did the same thing leaning on the faith of God rather than fixing every single thing himself until he ultimately did fix it all on the cross. Which, by the way, didn't seem like triumph. But the third way always contains two things from what I can tell. In every way that Christ responded, he was able to show us two things. Number one, it was an understanding of what greater love really is. He understood his greater purpose, but would not fall into the trap of using sinful means to get to the end. He made sure he stayed the course of what God had called him to, ultimately reaching the ends by suffering rather than fighting. And number two, when you're looking for the third way, is a willingness to move ahead in faith. But the only way to do this is by trusting that God has the ends in mind and in hand. Those who trusted God for Moses did the same thing. They moved ahead with a great act of faith. Are we interested in the third way? I ask this today, regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of what is happening on the television screens or right now, because on Wednesday, there's a lot of threats. But today I ask you this, are you interested in the third way of finding a way that's better than what we've seen? This is only true if we're willing to embrace the call of Jesus above all other calls. Now, if we go back to the story, we see what was happening, right? The princess, she opened the basket. She saw the baby. The little boy was crying, of course. Why wouldn't he be? She felt sorry for him. But it's not just sorry, right? It's, it's a sense, and it's not just pity in the way that you think of pity. Her heart went out to him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. By the way, she recognized the dilemma that she was in. She recognized that she was not supposed to love this child. She was not supposed to care for this child. Rather, she was supposed to kill this child because he was different than her. But she decided to find a third way. We know what happens next, right? The baby's sister approaches the princess and she says, should I go find one of the Hebrew women, since it is a Hebrew kid, to nurse the baby for you? And by the way, 
The baby sister was asking for a third way too, and she was able to find it too. She was standing before the enemy, but she was looking for common ground. How can we take care of this kid? Which, by the way, was deep compassion for the innocent that they both found. And, of course, the princess says, yes, do that, do that. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Well, this seems a little bit like God-given trickery. It really wasn't. It was God providing for Moses because there was a bigger purpose in mind. You know how the story goes. Take this baby, nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I'll pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. That's even a bonus for the family, right? A family that's being oppressed. They were hoping for salvation for their child, but they got so much more. I wonder, why do you settle for what you think you can get when God has so much more in mind for you? I look at the world around us and I see what happens when we are unwilling to have faith in God. You know, and we can come up with questions about what about this and what about that. I know that this sermon doesn't solve all our problems. Of course it doesn't. And maybe it's an oversimplification to say we should trust in God perhaps a little bit more or that we should follow Jesus a little bit more firmly and a little bit more strongly. But I haven't spent 25 years of my life preaching the gospel to at this point believe it's not true or it doesn't have any power. We can fall into the binary thinking of us versus them. We can fall into the idea that if they're in charge, everything's going to fall apart. Or if they're in charge, everything's going to fall apart. We can do that. I find myself fighting some of those same issues. But at some point, we got to believe God has a better way. We have to believe that. Because I want to make today a day of faith. I want to make today a day where we recognize who we truly follow. A day when we recognize that hate's a heavy burden to bear. And when the Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses, she wasn't willing to hate a Jewish child, but was willing to save him. What does this third way look like? What does that way look like? And that's the question, right? That's the, that's the question. It's the question that we all have in the midst of many other questions, I'm sure, and we're not going to answer them all. But if the third way looks like God's character, then it looks a lot like love. This has to be the principle that we organize around. This has to be the thing that we are willing to center our lives around. That we're not willing to step away from, but we're willing to walk towards. It has to be love. We can have all those other conversations about that which divides us. But if we start with this principle, then we can find a third way. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And unfortunately, we as Christians, 
Unfortunately, we've fallen into the idea that we have enemies. Is that of God? We have disagreements, we do. And in fact, sometimes we have spirited disagreements, but does that make us enemies? Or does that make us people who are struggling to find truth together? And I know, I know we can go on and have more conversations and explain why the divisions are and explain why we're all listening to different sources and we all can't. How about this? How about we did one thing? What if we turned off all the news for a moment and we went back to scripture and we did it together and we began to think in those terms for a little while? Martin Luther King also said one other thing. He said, I choose love because hate is too much of a burden to bear. How are we going to come out of this? How are we going to find the third way the only way it happens is by a great act of faith, by a great act and willingness to lean on the way that God is showing us. And I think when we go to bed at night, when it's just us, our minds, our hearts, and our connection to God, we know what he truly wants from us. I don't believe you can read scripture and not see an overwhelming outpouring of love. Is that how you're living your life? Is that how I'm living my life? Are we willing to find a third way? Because if we're not, if we're not willing to find the way of Jesus, if we're not willing to take those big steps of faith and those big acts of faith in who he is and what he does for us, if we're not willing to do this, then all is lost. And I can't live like that and neither can you. So let us be a third way people. Let us be a people who are willing to do the hard work of seeking what it is that God truly wants for us. Maybe it's in the quietness of scripture that we will rediscover the path that he has for us. Now it is my prayer that today is an uneventful day. But if it is not, and if the next week unfolds in ways that people seem to think that it might, then we need to recommit ourselves finding the third way and figuring out how we do it together. That's my prayer for today. Let's bow our heads. Lord, um, build in us incredible acts of faith. Change our minds when our minds need to be changed. Open us our hearts to truth. Give us a sense of 
not just well-being for ourselves, but a sense of compassion and love for one another. Lord, it's a big world. There's a lot of anger. And it can certainly be scary at times. I don't assume a sermon can fix everything. But you can. And so we submit ourselves to you in prayer today, Lord. Recommitting ourselves to the way of grace. Rearranging our lives together so that we can express who you are to the world in love, not hate, in joy, not anger. Lord, and as our children watch us, may they see what is best in the world through us because it is you that we are expressing to the world. Lord, be with us because we need you. In your name I pray. Amen.